episode 118, Matt Corbin, certified health coach, executive life coach, and motivational speaker. I think my favorite mistake, I mean, it's my first maybe 40 years of my life. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For links, show notes, and more about Matt Corbin, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 118. As always, thanks for listening. And now on with the show. Our guest today is Matthew Corbin. Uh, He had a first career, if you will, in marketing, and then he has become a certified health coach, an executive life coach, and a motivational speaker. So I also should mention that Matthew, I think this is really interesting, a five-time black belt martial artist, and he practices meditation and yoga daily. So I think we'll talk about some of the benefits of that practice. Um, His website is matthewcorbin.com, and we'll have that in the show notes. Um, So Matthew, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited we have the conversation. You know, we hear your story and there's a lot of other things we can um, talk about. Um, So looking back, Matthew, what would you say is your favorite mistake? I like this question. Uh, I think my favorite mistake, I mean... It's, uh, oh, wow, that's, that's, I don't know from where to begin. <laughs> I think it's my first maybe 40 years of my life. And we'll get to this, but it's whatever happened until I get to, to, to that moment while I was lying on the, on the, on the operating table in, in, in the hospital that got me there. And this was my favorite mistake because I learned a lot. It's uh, how I, I was leading my life, how I was working, how I was doing everything in my life, thinking that I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to keep on pushing, uh, I need to postpone my, 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 my health, I need to postpone my personal life, I need to work more, I need to put more hours and all of these things. And, and we always do this and we always say, we don't have time, we're not going to be young again, we cannot do this and do that. And I did all of these mistakes. And I guess this was my favorite mistake because it got me where I am today. So um, you mentioned being on the operating room table. So was mm-hmm. it, was there a health-related wake-up call or, or what? It was, yeah, yeah. What happened? It, it was big. I mean, for two, or four, for two, three or four years maybe, my wife kept telling me, you have to go and get your health check and go to the doctor. And I was neglecting this because I thought, I don't have time. I need to work more. I mean, it's not enough to work 15, 16 hours a day. I need to work more because sometimes you just enjoy the, the, the spotlight. Sometimes you just enjoy the, the, the more zeros in your bank, bank account, the status, the... the, the, the the lights, the attention, everything. And one day I went to the doctor and I told the doctor, I need to get my uh, health check. And I did. And when I woke up after five or six hours, 
he did like the whole check and everything and he was standing just uh, next to me and he had his 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 arm reaching in front of my face and he has he stretched his fingers and he was like can you count this i was like okay good another doctor thing i need to count his fingers now so he can clear me i was like i was like yeah i'm awake five fingers can i leave now i need to go to my office and he said no these are five months you still have to live and it hit me it's like everything just went into slow motion right away and everything stopped, stopped moving for a while. And I was like, what? He said, you, you have an extreme uh, internal inflammation and it has poisoned all your blood and everything and your organs stopped working. And I give you five months tops. So go ahead, enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, that was the wake up call. It wasn't... Uh, anything nice or or fun but it was a wake up call and yeah, uh, uh, wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. i i so, took the i took the the he gave me actually a, a uh he gave me two options either live for five month max or take the surgery and the surgery it has 50 50 chance and you might wake up you might not wake up no one nobody knows what will happen just gonna wave uh, sign this waiver and that's it Hmm. What what was the root of that inflammation? I, I guess this is a condition. I'm, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't. I haven't. This isn't have something I've run across. Like, what what was what would they operate on? So it was years and years of me neglecting my health. It was years of stress, uh, unhealthy eating, bad habits, uh, everything that you can you can say, and and it was just piling up and piling up and I couldn't see the symptoms. My, my wife could see them because I was getting pale from time to time. I was fainting and everything. I was getting huge. I reached somewhere around the 400 pound in weight. So, uh, and it was ne- neglecting myself, I guess. A lot of stress. I used to work close to 17, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, I used to travel a lot. I used to live out of suitcase on an airplane and the food it was, wasn't healthy at all. So it was always snacking, uh, eating unhealthy food and everything just because I need to focus on my career because I had yeah. a very successful career. So then, uh, I mean, you know, for those who are listening and not watching on YouTube, it's clear you've lost quite a lot of weight. You probably lost half at least I'm, half of that. I'm 175 pounds. now. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I was 400. And uh, I did lose all of this. I actually I dropped to 140 after the surgery in just six months. Uh, I stayed for over eight months. I couldn't eat anything. I was just on on an IV and I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't have anything. Uh, and until today, I still have this condition. I can't eat most of the food because I have some missing enzymes and some missing organs. So I have to live with it. I can eat some vegetables and some soups. That's it. So I have to watch my kids eating pizzas and burgers and I can't eat that. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a good parent to uh, continue letting them do that. Um I mean, so with that, I mean, it probably snaps you into a, you know, kind of from one extreme to another, focusing on living, um, getting healthy, 
Um, at, at what point did you, I mean, did, I'm guess, did you step away from work altogether? Did it take a while to think about what to do next professionally? Uh, yeah, I mean, when this happened to me, uh, it was, it was that moment on the table before I closed my eye and the doctor was counting three to one and you're supposed to sleep. And these three to one seconds, they felt like a whole year. And that moment I felt afraid. It was fear. And I was afraid I couldn't open my eyes again. I was afraid I couldn't hug my kids. I couldn't see my wife. I couldn't hug my wife. I couldn't, I couldn't see everyone that matters really in my life. And I neglected them just because of I need to build a career. So uh, before I closed my eyes, I said, if I'm going to open them again, I will change everything. And I just looked up and said, God help me. And when I woke up, I called my partners. I had... Uh, I had I had a company I had uh, my own my own company my own team my own so I called my partners I liquidated everything I told them to give everything to charity and I said I'm gonna start over from scratch and I'm gonna do it right this time I'm not gonna be one of I don't know so uh, honestly I went back home it took me almost a year to figure out what I need to do and I was afraid most of the time. I was just like a fish you took out of water, you know. I was out of my comfort zone. Uh, I thought a lot of times I want to go back to being a marketing consultant and go back to the Middle East, to Dubai, to all of these places and work again for 18 hours because I liked it when people looked at me as successful businessmen. And look at me now, I'm just sitting in my sweatpants in my room and helpless and I felt useless. And it took me a whole year to figure out that I need to do something else. And one day my wife entered the room and she said, do you know how uh, you're driving on the highway and every time you see a car on the side, you pull over to help? I was like, yeah. She said, okay, do you know how all your friends, they call you, they come to you for help and you help everyone. You said, just jump to help friends and family. I said, yeah. She said, do you know, I mean, have you ever thought of this? Maybe, maybe this is what you should do. I mean, you're a consultant, but maybe you, should, you shouldn't work with products. Maybe you should work with people. And it hit me. I was like, yeah. I mean, I love, I love people. I love helping people. And I worked all over the world almost. I speak many languages. Uh, I, I dealt with many cultures. And I want to tell my story to, the, to, to, to everyone. I want them to know that I was lucky to come back to life. And... I want to help everyone. I mean, it is a mistake what I did, but it got me where I am today. Right. So yeah. So when you think of when you think of marketing challenges, is the idea of professional balance or work life integration, as some people call it, or health. Um, is, is that a tough sell or have you been able to use your marketing experience to, you know, find a way to, to reach people who might be in denial about a problem the way you were? Oh my God. I love this question. Uh, yes, I'll tell you why, because I have identified every marketing way I used to market the product and I have scr scratched it and I said, I'm not going to use it. Because I'm not marketing product here. I'm 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 working with the human beings. 
So, and I'm, I was honest and I'm always honest. I tell people there is no such a thing as work-life balance. It does not exist. You have to prioritize. You have to build your priority list and you have to prioritize. And if you think you can have everything, you're mistaken. You cannot have everything. Uh, you're going to end up compromising something and it's, it's about prioritizing. And so, uh, yeah, marketing has helped me a lot. And uh, I know that some stuff I cannot use for human beings, like overselling or overpromising, because we're working with humans, we're working with people, and this is like amazing. It's a big responsibility. It's not like we're, we're trying a product doesn't work, we'll just put it on the shelf. Uh, so yeah, that's why I said it's an amazing question. Love it. Sure. Yeah. But you know, there, there, there are some tactics that, sure, might be um, unethical you know, in, in, in some domains with, uh, with people because health and life, um, is at stake. But, um, I mean, are there, are there, are there certain, like what, what methods would you, um, continue using? I mean, I'm, I'm not a marketing expert, but I think of, um, um, you know, testimonials or, you know, kind of, you know, aspiration of <clears throat> holding up an example you know, for uh, to to catch the attention of yeah. of, of mm. people, or you know, are there there what what are the things that you can still use, kind of from your background in marketing, even though this is different. I I think the fact that I have chosen my my own niche and it's it's whatever I was before. So I I work a lot, like not, more than ninety percent of my clients are business people, executive and business people. And start with because I relate, they relate to me, I relate to them. We, we, we connect because I was a businessman and I did those mistakes. And I know that most of business people, they do this mis these mistakes by neglecting themselves, their relation and letting everything, everything suffer and putting their work, their, their, their career uh, in front. So this is the first uh, marketing tactic or, or, or approach I use. Uh, I, I tell them my story and I show them testimonials. I have loads of testimonials on my website published. So they see them with names uh, of, of everyone who wrote and they are very well-known names. And I tell them my story. I tell them, Google me, go see me on cover of magazines and look at me now. And a lot of people just call me and say, are you serious? I mean, you were there. You were like on top. You're like eight eight-figure business owner and stuff and just left everything and came back here i said i said yeah i'm happier i am happier i have less money but i'm happier and this is the compromise i was talking about this is like when when, when you need to, to to really prioritize so um i mean you you know you mentioned having worked in in many countries uh -huh. when when you talk about this dynamic um of you know people neglecting relationships or health having um, you know, that, that drive so heavily focused on, um, like you said, um, uh, money, attention, um, you know, the pride and, and, and joy sometimes, you know, yeah. that, that people get out of work. Um, how, I mean, you know, how common, I mean, it's, I know it's probably hard to generalize sometimes across um, countries. How much of this is more of a problem in certain countries? How much of it is just part of being human? I th I think it's it's divided into three areas. One is our childhood, and we have the childhood programming. Uh, we've seen it that that 
people growing up in, in different countries, they, they tend to act differently when they're adults. So this is one part of it. Another part is where you live, the society, the community where you live. And the third part is part of hum- being a human, enjoying the attention, enjoying the success and enjoying the power and just compromising. And usually we do compromise ourselves because we do not blame ourselves and we say it's okay and it usually happens. I have seen honestly that uh, in the in the in the Gulf region, which is like Dubai, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, the whole the whole Middle East region where I worked a lot as well, I have seen that the work patterns is different, the expectations are different. Uh, no one is expected to to work forty hours a week. Everyone is expected to to, to work forty hours a day, maybe if they could. The pressure is high and everyone thinks of it uh, as I'm going there for a couple of years uh, or I'll just make a couple of millions and come back. And uh, once they get there, they get stuck and they live there for a long time and they want more and more and more and more. And this is where we come in as coaches and we say it's enough. You have you have said it's enough. There's You should retire some. some I mean, the best players in the world, they retire at a at, at, at certain age. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to sports, there's one uh, sports show I listen to. And one phrase they use a lot is uh, father time is undefeated. Some athletes age um, better than than others, but yeah. eventually the body breaks down, uh-huh. um, especially when it comes to something like sports. Um, but, you know, you think about physical activity. Um, you know, I mentioned in the introduction, martial arts uh-huh. and yoga. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I think yoga, um, something my wife practices, I, I don't, I can't claim any, um, um, you know, personal practice. She encourages me to, but yoga being both physical and mental, maybe yeah. martial arts are as well. And then meditation, mm-hmm. something I have tried, I'm not good at it. Um, but, but these, this combination of practices, was this all something that you embraced after your wake up call? No, I, I started practicing martial arts. I was four years old, actually. And I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I have always practiced martial arts. I have competed in, in so many countries and, and, uh, it's, it's something I enjoy. And it's, it comes from my childhood a little, a little bit where I was born and, 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 and how, were things happening the yoga came in uh, my wife is a certified yoga instructor and when i get a lot of gained a lot of weight i couldn't practice martial arts anymore so i thought i'm gonna just tone it down and go to yoga and i was wrong because yoga is tough and it, it, uh, it, it is very <laughs> physically demanding when i've tried it yeah. i have a respect for it, it it's, yeah I mean, I thought it was easy being a martial artist, but it's not. And it is it is demanding. And I love yoga. I practice yoga now every day. In meditation, I started, I was 11 or 12 years old. And I do practice daily transcendental meditation. And it keeps me calm and, and, and uh, you know. So um, that's interesting that you started that practice as a child. How were you introduced to that? I don't know. I mean, I, w- I was born in Beirut, in Lebanon, 
1976 and it was war and we had nothing it's it's we needed to hide from war we needed to to stay alive every day because there were snipers everywhere war everywhere and just close to my house where we used to live there was this dojo this 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 uh, center and the instructor was amazing and i looked up to him and he took me in and this is all what it took yeah he said come in and i got hooked and i never i never stopped and when i when i reached like 30 years old or something i graduated and i was an official uh, instructor uh, of martial arts of jiu jitsu uh, he called me in and I was teaching in his club again, just to return the favor. And I was also telling my story to the students that I was four and five years old, afraid, uh, running from bombs, crying, afraid. I wanted to, to stay alive. I didn't know what's happening. I, I was seeing people on the streets sometimes with their blood and everything. And this person took me in and said, come, let's, let's fill your time with something useful. Let's let me teach you some discipline, some kicking, some something just to let the the negative and the tension out, and it worked. And now my son is is a martial artist, and he's 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 a brown belt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, it's it's hard to imagine. Uh, you know, I've I've met um, you know there are many uh, engineers and business people who left Lebanon. Um, during during the war, and I've met many of them in the United States, and it it is hard to imagine. You're in Ohio now. I I was born in Ohio and was living in the Dayton, Ohio area in the late '70s. Um, you know, a very quiet, um, peaceful environment. So um, you know, it's um, it, uh, it it yeah. Don't even I'm, I clearly don't even know what to say. It's it's just it's. Um, good, um, to be able to survive that and, um, you know, build, build strength, I guess, from some of those experiences and learning, as you were mentioning, different ways of doing your best to cope with what life throws at you. Yeah. It was a really interesting lesson there. That's right. And as I said, it's, it's, it affects our whole life and it's, it's, it's a part of childhood programming. I mean, I left Lebanon maybe about 13 or 14 years old. But it has affected me all my life, and all my life I was working hard to to give my kids something I didn't have, uh, to give them a childhood, to give them give them something. And and it's it's funny you mentioned Ohio and the peace and the quiet, and this is what what drew me to it because I have family in California, I have family in in in, in, in Arizona. My sister lives in, in in Rhode Island, and I stayed for a while in, in D.C. And then when we decide to settle. I told my wife, we're going to Ohio. She was like, what? Why? I said, I took a road trip. And the moment I went inside in Ohio, I felt peace. I love it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess you, you said it right. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that you've found your way there and um, and that you're doing so much better now than you had been before. Um, you know, Before I wrap up, I want to ask, like, what's the profile of... Um, the type of client that you coach in terms of profession, location. Um, t- tell us more about the type of people you work with. Uh, location, I work with a lot of people from all over the world. I have clients in, 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 in India. I have clients in Dubai. It's easy for me to, to have clients in Dubai because I speak the language. I know the, the culture. I speak all, all the Arabic variation 
languages, all five, six of them. I have clients in Europe and France. I also lived for a while in France. I speak fluent French. And uh, Canada as well, especially the French Canada. And the bulk of my clients are in the States, definitely. And the profile would be, I target mainly business people. Now, I, I get everyone, I but I target business people because I know exactly what every businessman and woman they go through. I know their demands. I know they don't want to compromise something. I know what they, 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 they want. And I know exactly where they are, where they want to be. And uh, I'm able to help them. Uh, I have de developed my own method, my own program. And it's based on research. I've, it's well, very well researched. I've been doing it for over three or four years. And uh, we have amazing uh, results with this program. It's, it's a very easy three steps program. And it's fun. Uh, and it's very business oriented. It has a lot of goals, a lot of uh, milestones. And uh, we keep track of, of, of the results and everything just like a business way because I believe a coach is not there just to be a friend or, or just to say yes, yes, and that's it. I mean, I mean some, most, most of my clients hate me sometimes because I, I, I hold them accountable for stuff. <laughs> and that's fine because yeah. at the end they will thank me and they will say, okay, you were right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, this, is, this is the profile, business people. And it's, it's more, this is why I call it executive coaching. It involves health and work and life and everything in, in, in a holistic uh, approach. Yeah. And one, I know one thing you talk about on your website, um, you know, developing positive habits and, and changes. So what's, um, is there a thought you'd want to share with the audience about, you know, kind of putting aside old habits and developing new habits that are more positive? Definitely. Uh, we, we cannot change our, our lifestyle if we don't change our habits. We have to change our habits in order to change our lifestyle. And we cannot change our habit if we don't know our purpose. And to know the purpose, we need to discover the why and to have the clarity. And it's all linked. And the very beginning, the start is the why. And this is the most important part of it. And this is the annoying part and the important part. And once we discover this, we have the, the, the roadmap. We have what, what I call destiny map. And this is where we start working on, on habits. Uh, I can give you a quick example. I have one of my clients. She's, she's an amazing uh, female. Uh, she's, she's a businesswoman, CEO of, of a big firm. And I'm sure she'll be listening to this now. She doesn't skip any <laughs> podcasts I do. So uh, she called me one day. Now she's going to get mad and she's going to call me and say, how dare you? She called me one day and she said, uh, listen, Matt, it's not our, our, our day and it's not our session, but I need something urgent. I was like, yeah, sure, tell me. And she's been my, my client for a couple of years. And she said, uh, we always talk about business and like goals and stuff. And she goes like, I want to lose some weight. I was like, wow, okay, that's new. I never heard you saying this before. And this happened like maybe a couple of months after COVID started. So I said, okay, why? And she started telling me all of these uh, excuses like, yeah, I miss my old jeans. I want to fit back. I want to feel good uh, and all of these things. And then, yeah, you know, COVID and stuff. And then I started getting more an annoying and touching that point that, that, that really gets, gets her annoyed. And she hung up on me a couple of times. Then she called again. And at the end she yelled and she said, I want my husband to see me again. 
And I said, so this is the real why. The real why is not because you want to fit in your old jeans. The real why is not because you're binging on snacks. The real why is because you want your husband to see you again. Because you've been home, your husband's been home for a couple of months now due to COVID, and the whole routine changed. And when the routine changes and when the, the everything changes, there are some disturbance. And this is what you're feeling. You're feeling like negative tension between both of you because you're not used to this. So we need to work on that. We need You need to pivot in a way because we need to work on that. Not You don't need a a new uh, nutrition or, or anything or, or a diet or whatever. So this is an example of how by, by, by tackling the real why, we get to the root and then we're able to change the habits. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just temporary. Well, it's um, a great example and, you know, kind of speaks to where, you know, a good coach, as, as you put it, um, you know, it isn't always, uh, you know, just saying yes, that a coach has to challenge you sometimes. That's that's why we engage Absolutely. with a coach. Um, so our guest today has, again, been uh, Matthew Corbin. His website is www.matthewcorbin.com. Dot com. Uh, we'll have a link uh, in, in the show notes, of course. And before we go, Matthew, um, you're kind enough to have an offer um, for the audience, if you can share that. Sure, yes. I'm offering a free session to the audience. We're going to have the link in the, in the notes. And just click on the link and mention the show and just claim your, your free uh, session. The, the, the session will include clarity, will include assessment, next steps. And this is all for free. All right. Well, thank you, Matthew, for doing that. Thank you for sharing your story. It's, um, I mean, forgive me, I'll use a business turn, term. It's quite a turnaround from from what you described um, going into that doctor's office and what you had to uh, recover and uh, and rebuild from. So I want to you know, congratulate you, not just on, you know, you describe a second career, but um, if you will, a second lease on life and Thank you. And for what you're doing and the happiness you've found. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for working with others. Um, thank you for being a guest here on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks again to Matt for being our guest today. Again, to learn more about him for links and more, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 118. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.